you know, this this sounds like a man ago now. I'm not, uh, but it's a. He is. It's, I am. I'm editing, Rich. You can stay wherever you want. It's not going in. <laughs> And welcome to the PR Hub Podcast. My name is Adam Tuckwell. And I'm John Wilcox. Hi folks, welcome to the show. We're on our season finale. Well, kind of. We'll explain that in a little minute. But uh, we recently caught up with Rich Lee. He's the founder of Radioactive PR and Radioactive Talent. I'm sure that Rich is uh, is, is known among many, if not all of you. Uh, he's a bit of a legend, a bit of a myth. In fact, he wrote a book on the myths of PR uh, very recently in the last few years. It's gone down an absolute storm. Um, we spoke to Rich, an absolutely wonderful guest. Um, and, and yeah, just just wonderful, actually, Ed. Yeah, they say you shouldn't meet your PR heroes, but um, it was it was really great to, to, to meet Rich. For him to, for him to meet career. us. But, no, not at all. Uh, I've been really keen to meet Rich and find out more about his, his story. And, and what I absolutely loved is how generous he was with with his time and his advice and his his good humor it appears that rich isn't just one of the most successful people in pr but also one of the nicest oh that's absolutely true absolutely one of the nicest and and you're absolutely correct uh, he was insightful and and very very open to to passing on his knowledge um absolutely brilliant and and to be honest with you we know it's a good uh, a good episode because we don't really talk much of the whole thing he just sort of we wound him up and let him go and, and off he trotted for for an hour and a half which was absolutely fantastic so so if you're worried about not hearing uh mine and john's voices during this perhaps you could take a listen to one of our previous podcasts and if you enjoy them do please like follow and subscribe and if you're really keen why not get in touch with us and you can reach us on twitter at at pr hub um or follow our individual channels which we'll talk about at the end but without further ado we'll launch straight into our interview with mr pr himself rich lee Normally we get guests to introduce themselves, but I suspect almost every one of our listeners will will be familiar with you and your work. But if we assume that there might be one or two who, who aren't, give us a quick plotted history of, uh, of where you're at now and where you've come from. I started in PR, as I mentioned, about 13 years ago, getting on for 13 years ago now, at Ten Yetis uh, with Andy, who, um, great, you should have him on. He's hilarious and he's got a million different stories. Um, so I started with Andy there as their first employee. And I actually came into PR from personal training. So it was a obviously well, you know, well-worn path into PR from fitness. What triggered that transition? Because that is quite a, yeah, it, you know, an interesting job. Was, um, it was the recession. So I was working at a commercial gym and, you know, just PTing, doing fitness classes, all, all that stuff. Um, love it. Absolutely loved it. Um, my aim was always to play rugby, uh, you know, to to do as well as I can play in rugby and I played to a decent standard but you know never quite good enough um so I thought well I'm just going to keep my eye and keep fit you know keep doing what I'm doing so um qualified as quickly as I could and I um at that point I think it was only a few days after I'd started at the gym that my daughter my eldest she's 14 now was born so I was 18 at the time and um and then the recession came and as we've seen with this any ill economic circumstances don't exactly favor younger people very well mm. we're, you know we're seeing it a lot both across the industry a lot of people aren't talking about the redundancies that are being made you know they're not talking about the uh, you know the people that are being furloughed that aren't going to be coming back and it is a you know, last in first out situation so it was it wasn't like that at the gym but what it was like was a lot of my clients saying you got to imagine these are people that 
you know, they, um, you know, I kind of sold them on the idea of personal training and they liked the idea and it's 30, 35 quid an hour. And for them, that's a luxury. And for a lot of people it is, I mean, it is a luxury to, you know, to have a trainer. So they just said, yeah, Rich, we can't afford this anymore. And we're concerned that we might even have a job in six months. So definitely we have to, um, you know, tighten the purse strings. And I thought, ah, cool. I've got a baby and I probably need to find my into something sensible. So I, I thought, well, you don't see many PTs kind of 30, 40 plus. So maybe it's not that long a career. And, you know, I jumped feet first into it just because it's something that, you know, I, I mean, I didn't finish A-levels. So I just, I never, you know, I didn't have any qualifications, especially. It was just something I was passionate about and thought, I'll, I'll do that. And then the second that kind of started falling away from me, I thought, yeah, I need a real job. And Ten Yetis was literally a job in the paper um you know case of that so me seeing uh or online or wherever you, you know what i mean it's, it's, it was like a, an ad um i got in touch and went in interviewed there andy will tell you that i basically bullied him into giving me a job um and well, he you said, were a personal trainer yeah he said he, he um he and his business partner at the time said um that they were most worried that i just made him do press-ups all the time um and what actually what, what actually happened or as i remember it anyway so at this point i'm 20 um, what I actually remember was he told me about some new business leads that he hadn't gone back to. And I said, oh, when were they since? And bear in mind, I'm going in for like an exec at, you know, I won't say the salary, but not a good salary, especially for a parent. Um, so I'm I'm in there. <laughs> I all of a sudden start going, well, why, why the fuck haven't you gone back to that? And I'm kind of telling them off a little bit. And then I, I catch myself doing it. And I'm thinking, well, this is kind of me. If you bring me in, I'm going to be like this. So I'm like, well, why haven't you gone back to them? And, and he remembers it. That I just shouted it in the whole interview. And anyway, for some reason, he gave me a job, and I'm, you know, I'm genuinely appreciative of the fact that he did because, you know, there was I had no qualifications nor right to be in that room other than just being a bit ballsy and liking writing and you know, having always been good at writing. And I'm quite sociable, and I'm, they were the only two things I knew about PR were chatting to people and writing. Um, and I thought I'm good at both of those things, I think, and I'm quite a confident person, so you know, I, I reckon I can give it a go. And then I, I spent five and a half years there. We worked with some fantastic clients, IKEA, Confused, um, to, Total Jobs, Just Eat, My Protein. Uh, my Protein was me going to them saying, "You don't get many PTPRs." And Oliver Cooks in at the time, he sold it now. He said, "Yeah, no, you don't. Go on, then you're, you're in," um, which was great. So you know, worked with some fantastic clients. Um, but about five and a half years in, I thought. You know, what what more is there? And by this point, I'd started PR examples and I'd started Bloggerbase. So two different things. Um, so PR examples you've touched on was kind of a, I just wanted it to be a celebration of a compendium of the best PR stunts and campaigns, the best marketing stunts campaigns, um, advertising whatnot in um, you know, in the world. And that's what it became. And it's you know it did very very well. I quickly opened up to multi contributors. So the thing was, I'm not going to be the only person blogging here. Um, you know, of the, the blog now, but there was a fantastic blog by a lady that worked at Nike that, um, that that focused on you know the best ad campaigns, and you know you'd see a couple of other people talking about it you know on, on a fledgling Twitter at that point. But I thought let's put it into this yeah compendium of, and I knew I couldn't do it by myself, so I invited people to to write with me, and we ended up with a couple of hundred people. Some only wrote once, some didn't write at all, some wrote dozens of pieces. But what it meant was as soon as something landed people would somebody write and um, yeah. somebody spotted it somebody's writing about it and it was great so again that was 2012 when i started that and um 2012 2013 yeah it's 2012 and people were very excited 
to to be, to be involved. And I was really excited because you know I wasn't making any money out of it. I think you know the the main thing for me was this isn't a place where I come and big up what we do. This is a place where you know, we we celebrate as a whole um, because there's some fantastically creative people and you know some amazing work that was being done then and is is being done now, but um, obviously overshadowed by um, you know by by current circumstances, but it's still there. So for me, it was let's write about everything, you know, shout about everything, and yeah, it got it became incredibly popular. I think um, the uniques were at last count when I you know when I last had access, kind of 65,000 uniques a month. Which when you think about the fact there are about 80, 85,000 you know PR people in the UK, that's not bad going. It's brilliant. Um, it's of course right? a lot of those will a lot of those will be international as well. You know, were international. You know, predominantly UK. Um, US was a big market um, and a huge media database or a huge um, media uh, contact database. And it was a good. We we did events. We did, you know just a pub kind of. And what that was was me going to Barrel Ferry, and he was at Precise at the time and saying, "Anyway, I'm I'm putting an event on, um, and it's literally no agenda." You know, there's, I'm not trying to sell awards. I'm not trying to sell anything. But can you and Precise stick a few quid, quid behind the bar? And he'll never let me forget it. That I got out there, you know, and, and the tickets sold out in a couple, you know, couple of hours. It was amazing. You know, hundreds of people, and I was in this bar, and you know, thanked everybody for coming and all that stuff. I got down and, and Daryl went, "Yeah, you know what you forgot to say? You know, who you forgot to thank." <laughs> and I was like, "I'm such a dickhead." So I literally grabbed the mic again, and I was like. Right, cheers, you know, because my, my aim was for it just to be agendaless. Um, we did a few of those and it was good fun, met some amazing people. Um, you know, no doubt it was good for me professionally, but that wasn't necessarily the, the reason for doing it. Um, and I also, as I mentioned, started Bloggerbase and Bloggerbase was a, a blogger database. So you've got Gorkana, Mao, Cision, um, and the like. Well, this was me saying, us seeing, and I started it with Andy, um, you know, us seeing that. There was a real play here. People with high domain authority blogs or decent domain authority blogs anyway, decent readerships, decent audiences and communities that most PRs weren't even considering. And again, this Mm. is 2012, 2013. And I was thinking, well, I would sooner get my protein on a fitness blog read by 100,000 people than get it on the front page of the FT, where it means that's fuck all. You know, and I would much sooner that. So what we did is we built an opted-in database of bloggers and got to about 15,000, 16,000 at the time um, across so many different sectors. And we had Ralph Lauren using it, Disney using it, um, Nike used it, I think. You know, some really big brands using it, some big agencies. And then I, um, you know, at, so that was around the same time where I, I kind of got cold. I kind of got to the point where I thought, I, I want another challenge. I know it sounds so cliche, doesn't it? But it was me looking around and I knew Andrew Block at Frank and uh, you know would have been an award thing or two and obviously I'm quite noisy you know again I'm a kid from Gloucester with no fucking reason to be in PR and I kind of knew him from that and um and he said you know if you ever fancy it let's you know let's chat and then I think he emailed me at some point and just said you know what's going on what's going on in your life I was like it might be time for me to to give this a go and at the time I had two children um I now have three. I don't have less than two. Um, <laughs> and that sounded really ominous for a second. Um, so um, yeah, we had two kids and I ended up going to Frank for kind of Monday to Thursday and working from home on the Friday. And it was tough. It was great. The work was fantastic. Again, what, you know, led some fantastic accounts. Um, I was put straight into you know the deep end and 
know, did some fantastic stuff with Premier Inn and um, some of Alan Sugar's companies and, you know, some, some really, really good stuff. But I hated being away from the kids because you missed, you know, you, um, Adam, you've got children, you, you miss those things, you know, it's, um, it's easy to, it's, it's easy to think, well, I'm making good money and I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I know, I know I'm progressing, but you now sleeping on, so my mate from school had moved to um, moved to Clapham, and I was like, "Hey Sam, can I come? You know, come stay with you?" And he's like, "Yeah, sweet. It'll be X hundred a month." And I was like, "Oh, all right, cheers." You know, I thought I thought you, were, you know, I thought I could just. And he's like, "Nah, London real estate." Um, so I was, I was I was on his sofa, and I'm not a small man. You know, I'm, I'm like not not like incredibly tall, but I'm relatively tall, and I'm there, very dangling, you know, two feet off the end of this sofa every night, working on blogger base in the evenings, doing stuff on PR examples. Um, and I just got to the point about six months in and we'd had the conversation, David Fraser, um, Graham, Andrew and I, um, Alex Greer, those guys, all brilliant guys, but they, we'd had the conversation early on that, um, it might not work and that would be okay. You know, it wasn't a failure if I couldn't make it work or, you know, just missed the, you know, the, the setup. Um, and my, my, you know, my wife at the time, um wasn't about to wasn't about to move to london um you know my children definitely weren't about to move to london so it was you know let's see if i can make this work at a distance and I, I ended up feeling like i couldn't but i was lucky obviously to have the other two things to kind of fall back on a blogger base for me was a a a tool where i thought actually we, we've got some really good traction here maybe there's something in this and we actually started talking to um a big media company about a potential acquisition which not a lot of people know, you know, never, never talked about that. Um, and it was all, all going well. I think we gave too much away in the demo, you know, in that trial. I think what, ha what ended up happening was a lot of people were able to get what they needed in that demo. And that's just me being green. And Andy had multiple other businesses to be worrying about. So it was essentially yeah. me running at this. And yeah, I was 24 at the time. Um, so I went to, um, yeah, I went to Frank at, I want to say, yeah, must have been 25. Um, so for me, it was a, a fact of not really knowing what more to do with it. I think I'm doing the right things with it, but Christ, I've never run a business. Um, the accountant um, called me and he said, um, yeah, can you, can you help with the annual returns or the annual, you know, annual accounts? And I was like, I don't know what they are. Please don't ask me again because I have no idea what you're talking about. And, you know, he thought it was hilarious, but I've since learned. Um, and um, I said to the frank guys i'm off cheers you know i really do appreciate it and I, you know i still speak to those, those guys now yeah, um you know it was only a short period of time but i learned so much from graham in particular andrew definitely um you know david's gone on to amazing things and you know he and i had a good relationship i think um so he might tell you otherwise um but um you know and, and the team the, the wider team at frank was fantastic as well really good people doing great things and i, I kind of went in there we've been doing it 10 years pr for seo now commonly referred to as digital pr but link building effectively we've been doing that since day dot and this was something that kind of set me apart when i got there so i remember talking to uh, you know talking to a lot of the guys at, at frank and you know kind of leading seminar style talks about what Link building was PR for SEO. What the benefits were, um, you know, social in terms of it wasn't it wasn't even called this then. But you know, edge rank and the different algorithmic aspects of social media, and you know why content gets shared, the kind of content they share as well, etc. So I kind of went there with that as a not a niche per se because I love the PRE stunty stuff that Frank were famous for and are famous for. Um, but I I decided to 
um, to come back and kind of run it both blogger base and around that time I, I thought well, I don't know that I'm going to kind of know how to make this work so I'm going to put my hand up and become a freelancer and I tweeted to say that I was doing that and the first person to knock on the door was um, you know, was uh, Go Compare and I got very busy very quickly with Go Compare and wow. yeah it was really fortunate but I guess because I've always been kind of noisy and you know that's why I'll always advocate for a positive Twitter because I've met some amazing people through it you know you, you guys now as well um, I think you know you you can kind of get bogged down by the by the negativity and the competitivity that we're seeing more and more. I talked about digital PR, and it, it's almost like there's slightly different rules for digital PR to the decorum that you've traditionally seen from PR agencies that you and you know you and I would have um, you know would have worked in and know. And that's okay. I think there's more than enough business for everybody, and that you know I know that sounds really corny and political. Like I'm trying to, you know, play both sides, but there's more than enough for everybody. Just don't be a dick about how you get it. And that's mm. the main thing. So um I yeah, I was I got very busy with Go Compare. I bought on a freelancer and she's amazing and was amazing, but obviously they cost, you know, experience costs. And I found myself kind of not hemorrhaging margin per se, but spending a lot of money on freelance stuff when I was thinking, oh, it's day-to-day stuff that yes i can do and then all of a sudden i've started more clients are coming along and saying oh can you do this for me and, um i thought well i've always lost 27 at this time i've always wanted to start an agency i always kind of knew i would so now's the time and i launched it as richly and company and richly and company was a thing for 18 months or so uh, i've got a mate who for the first few months was like who's and company then who's and company i was like don't worry they're coming don't you worry <laughs> um but I did. I employed as soon as I could, and just you know, was again very fortunate. Great referrals. You know, I guess you know, I've met a lot of people, so and a lot of people trusted the kind of work that I did, the kind of work we could do. So we built from there, and now we are. Uh, what date are we now? We are the twentieth. So on the first of December, it's year six. So you know, it started year six for the agency, which you know, yeah, very very proud of that. And so you're um, you're primarily based in Gloucester. You've got um, an office uh, in Manchester as well. I, I, Gloucester came first, given the fact that you live yes. there. Uh, um, you chose Manchester. I think um, a lot of a lot of agencies, obviously, they. I'm, I'm basically. I know I'm already nicking a question from Adam. You know, I already <laughs> know it. But you know, Western West Country region. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, north of England. North Midland, South North England um, uh, uh, agency uh, based there as well. Why not London? Uh, what do you see as the positives of not having uh, offices in London? So we have never been a, this sounds conceited and I don't mean it to at all, but we are not a Gloucestershire based agency in the sense of the kind of work that we'll do. Because for, with new business, you've done this a million times, Adam, you were talking earlier on about the you know, you're pitching for a client right now or re-pitching for a client right now. The time that you spend is the same amount of time that you spend trying to win a 500 quid a month client as it is a 10 grand a month client. And if we can do the work, a 10 grand a month client, 20 grand, whatever, you know, somebody has got a decent budget. If we can do work that keeps them happy in the nicest way, I, you know, and, and that's not to say there aren't amazing businesses around Gloucestershire. There are some absolutely incredible ones. But I think for me, we are, and the internet does this for us, obviously, we aren't a Gloucester agency. We're not a Gloucester agency. Manchester was actually, because that freelancer that I you know, that I touched on, Emily, um, 
So we don't actually have a base in Manchester at the minute because um, you know Emily M went on to work for um, you know to work in in a charity that's kind of closer to her heart. Um, and she's done some incredible charity work. But for me, it was having a foothold up there was mm-hmm. a, a thing of convenience because you know we had clients up that way that Emily could then go service, and you know we tried to build out up there. There's some amazing agencies based. I, I mentioned Rickett, Smoking Gun earlier on. You know, there's some great stuff going on up in Manchester. I thought it kind of doesn't expand our offering, benefit us enough um, for me to almost replace Emily up there. Mm-hmm. Um, to the London question, I just haven't felt that we've needed to. And this, it's, it's, not an, it's not a thing of being vindicated now. If, I, if my family were in London, then obviously that's where I'd be. But we were in London once or twice a week anyway, and I'd block meetings out. You know, I'm, it's, it's not like I'm not in the room with the same people that, you know, mm. the people at the big, you know, all the agencies you can think of in London that you might think of as competitors for us, maybe they don't think of you know, us as competitors for them. All of those people were in the same room as the brands that they're talking to anyway, all the same marketing directors, all the same brand directors. We're winning some of that same work. You know, we're pitching mm. against big agencies and winning. And it just struck me that we didn't need it. And mm. maybe that was short-sighted, I don't know, but I don't feel like it was. I I would much sooner do what we're doing now, which again, in, in the last nine, 10 months has been, um, we've been doing loads more international work. So all I'm doing is finding great people in hubs. You know, we've got, um, you know, working with somebody in on the East Coast of America right now for a lot of pitching that, we, that we're doing over there. And, you know, is it Radioactive US? Would you call it that? Do you, do you need to name it as such or do you just build out? Do you, do you work from a basis of this needs to be profitable and we want to be doing great work? Our mantra is, and it's corny, but I believe it, you know, a happy team doing great work with, not for, happy clients. So we're not a, you know, we're not a slave to our clients, although some clients would probably say otherwise. Um, you know, the, the fact is you are a supplier to, sure, but we want to be partners with. Um, and if you're doing that, then you can do that from, you know, from any base and make a good go of it, which means to say when all of this happened, we were so ready set for remote working because we'd already had the processes in place because of the, you know, um, I think you alluded to it earlier on the, the um, you know, the, the pre bit, the, the four day week. So the four day week came in, in um, kind of early to mid 2018. So, um it was a case where that fifth day if we needed to be and the promise was always to clients and of course this is this is what we needed the promise was if you need us there on a friday we're there because chances are you'll need us in the you know if it's a crisis it's a crisis and that happens on a saturday or sunday right we've all dealt with that potentially on a new year's day christmas day if that happens your client pays it, it is what it is um because they'll only find somebody else that will yeah but chances are it's going to be a journalist saying, hey, can you send me a you know, high-res image to that? You know, Can you put me in touch with X? Things that yeah. take minutes, things that take minutes. So we had to be set up ready for that. And we were. Now, it feels funny talking about it because we now do four and a half days. Uh, we're doing half a day on a Friday because we need that wrap-up when we're remote. Yeah. We need that debrief at the end of the week and that almost kind of time to, you know, time to tighten, uh, tie things up loose, uh, up loose yeah, tightly even. Um, so, yeah, we, we do four and a half days at the minute and it's still working really, really well. The reasons that I put it in place, I would do it all over again. You know, I think it was exactly the right thing for us to do. And I've had people say, 
because we got a load of press around it. We were one of the first countries, uh, companies in the UK to do it. But that the PR that we got from it and the positive PR didn't bring us a single client, I guarantee. It. Didn't bring us a mm. single thing. And what it did do is it set us up for the best people to want to come and work with us. And that was a key reason for doing it. But you know, I probably, you know, I probably picked up more clients from changing my bloody name to Mr. PR than I did the four day <laughs> week. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. something throwaway that was, you know, a bit of fun. Um, to you know, as as we kind of changed the name, um, Richley and Company to Radioactive PR, that was you know, that was a bit of fun there. Probably got you know more clients go, huh? I reckon we get on, or more potential clients go, I reckon we get on because you're an idiot, and I, I'm you know, I'm kind of um, you know pretty like I'm not super serious either than I ever did from the four day. So the thing for me is that it demonstrates to the team that we give a shit. And that's the main thing is yeah. we're thinking about you. We're thinking about your productivity and, you know, we, we put results out for the first year. Um, and it was, it was great. You know, margins haven't been knocked all of those things. I can't say the same for this year. Mm. You know, it's, I don't, and I, you know, I don't know that anybody would or mm. would be able to. Rich, I'm, I want to go back a few steps. So, um, You've you've beautifully talked through your career experience. You talk about um, the recession forces you to go uh, and go to Tennessee and, and march in and say, <laughs> give, "Give me a job and employ me." And you do that, and you do really well there. And you, set I'm, I'm imagining you bench pressing Andy Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> give yeah, me exactly. a job. Give me a job. <laughs> and then and then you start PR examples, and then off the back of that, you go yeah. and you work for for frank in london mm-hmm. um and then you go and set up your own agency and then you do mm-hmm. things differently and you're not afraid to go against the grain are you just in- incredibly self-confident and self-aware I, I i talk to a lot of people in our industry who have imposter syndrome or find things difficult are you are you someone that's just confident just i feel this is right and i'm gonna go for it it's kind of ghost to say that i'm not suffering from imposter syndrome or anything like you know you, because it's almost like oh, i was arrogance but i'm so i'm very confident in myself and i know that if i'm going to do something i'm going to do it to the best of my ability and i'm going to try to bring the best people in with me um and you know that's not that's not to say though that things that fail blogger base didn't work out eventually do you know what i mean we um you know the, the, the acquisition fell through and in, at the end we just kind of wound it up because it wasn't you know yes it made money but it wasn't the the success it could or should have been so that and you know, I could I could name you a dozen other things that I've run at and tried to make work. Something called Find Me a Marketer. It was a you know kind of 2014, 2015, um, you know, freelance database of of you know communications professionals, you know, all matched with you know. So I've tried to do a million different things. Um and the thing is I don't care about it failing because if if it fails then like the second actually in the first two years of the agency were really hard, but the second that I took a step back and went if this fucks up, I've got kids. That's not ideal. But if this fucks up, what what happens? I I I'm pretty good at this. I think. You know, I'll go and get I'm, another job. Yeah, I'll yeah. go and get a job, and yeah. I'll do. I mean, I'll do anything to you know to, to obviously make a living. But and I think that comes from um, my my upbringing was not, and you know I don't want to delve too deep, but you know was not an especially privileged one. Um, and you know I would if it met, if I had to. If I had to go and work at Tesco, I'd happily do that. Do you know what I mean? And there's there's no, um, you know, there's no hairs of graces. There's no, you know, no, I, I want a six-figure job or, or nothing. You know, I'm, I'm walking out of here. It's just I will work hard and I'll work harder. I think that's I think that's brilliant, that mentality, actually. And when you talk about Frank, I think that's, 
the the fact i mean you could have just stayed you know you felt yeah. it wasn't working you you could have just stayed we spoke to an agency leader earlier on the series john will remind me who um who paid a leaving bonus so who who is that, John? So if you you're, oh, you're there for I'm three Alex, months, Alex does that. Alex yeah, does that. Alex it was Alex. You're, Alex yeah. you're, you're there for three months, and if it's not working out, they'll pay you to leave. How fucking yeah. brilliant is that? It's and then if cool, you stay, it? and then yeah. if you stay, you you choose an employee that's made you feel welcome, and you Absolutely. give. That, I mean, oh, brilliant! That is such a nice <laughs> idea. But actually, I think that's true. I think so many people actually get stuck into a rut and then feel that they they can't go and try something new or try something different. Mm-hmm. And actually, in our in our industry and in all our skill sets. You know, you can just go and create things, can't you? You can come up with ideas. It sounds like you're fantastic you at really coming can. up with, with, with ideas and, and thoughts and campaigns, and you you throw them at the wall and see what sticks. That's the thing, and and you know, we again in in radioactive, we've, we've been incredibly fortunate. We've worked with some absolutely fantastic brands, some big household name brands, and also you know startups too. Um, you know, we've done some stuff I'm very very proud of. But it's a case of some of those are just me, you know, just me going in cold and being like, listen, I'm going to darken your inbox once. I'm going to come and talk to you once. And if you're working with somebody, tell me to fuck off. That's absolutely fine. You know, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not precious about that. Um, and I know this is out of the blue, but I'm going to come and I'm going to talk to you because I think you can do a job. And, you know, we've won some, you know, some of our longest serving clients or, you know, clients we've had for the longest just from me saying, hey, I've just seen a TV ad or I've just seen something you've done. And I think we can do a job for you. And more than that, I think, you know, we'd actually enjoy working together. And it's again i said with my protein um you know did, did that did it with hungry house and you know some some other brands like that where you think you shouldn't be in the room with them but i guess for me it's and you know psychologists would tell you that it's basically just me trying to constantly prove myself to myself it's just me going how do i justify being in, you know do i deserve to be in a room with that person well, i think i do so i think i'm good at what i do and i think my team's great so you know there's no there's, there's there isn't sadly for the soundbite that would probably make a lot of people happy. There isn't any imposter syndrome in, imposter syndrome there anymore. Um, certainly. So yeah, I think if we're gonna if we're gonna do something, we're gonna do it well. And if we lose out, then the best team won. That's and it's probably a rugby thing. Do you know what I mean? Like it probably comes from sport. So I think that's interesting. So you, you talk about that that rugby thing and that team player essence, whether that's a big team or or, or, or a small team. How did you find that? going it alone approach for you or were you were you always keen to 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 try and get other people in and start an agency and and line management and things are those are those things oh. things that come easy to you and you talked right at the outset about stepping away from getting coverage yourself and allowing other people to do it has that has that all been a quite an easy transition for you uh, initially yes and then, I mean, anybody will tell you, the more people you bring in, the you know, the, the, the more you essentially become man management. Like you are man managing people and you're not necessarily doing the day-to-day. You're doing the day-to-day man management, week-to-week man management to get the best out of your people, right? Um, and that's why we're constantly thinking, how do we make sure their time at the office, their time in work or you know, um, is is happy, is fulfilled, is them doing the best stuff they can do. And I think you know, we've got industry-leading um you know parental leave um you know kind of scheme or initiatives um you know we we do fantastic things for the team but for me it's it's not been the easiest in the sense of being the the one person running it the person where the buck stops all of the time and recently actually quite interestingly i felt so at the end of march early april i'll be quite candid you know it it fell off a cliff and a huge number of clients were calling me every day and you know you see that you see the client's number and you think 
Uh, we don't speak every day. We don't speak, <laughs> you know. So this is a, yeah, you know, this is, um, you know, you're about to drop us. And it it was a, a funny period of time for about two weeks, you know, two week length where, yeah, we lost a lot of clients and it was almost like contracts were worth nothing. And they're like, you're going to chase us or are we going to dangle this car out of us coming back when things go well? And obviously that's what the majority do. And you've got to, you know, it's, it's almost taking a, considered approach to which of those clients are likely to to be true to their word and which of those clients do you think that there's bad debt already you know we, we need to have a serious conversation mm. and we were so fortunate late rooms as a client um with the rest easy group and they they were one of the clients that said well travel's not okay um rich is it okay if we just constantly have a dialogue if we keep talking you know we we get on can we just keep talking um and they came back the second they could they came back and i was really proud of the fact that you know we built that but what i got to in, in the first few years of running the agency i kind of missed and wished that i had started it with somebody mm -hmm. I, I really did i i see agencies now starting i see agencies um you know and, and comparison is a thief of joy and all that you know uh and and it it is you know it's, it's true but I see agencies that started with investment, that started with co-founders, and I think, did I do this wrong? But mm -hmm. then, two, three, four years in, I think, kind of vindicated because, yeah, we're doing okay. You know, we're doing well, we're growing. Is it the rate that I that I want to be growing at? It's not, if I'm honest. You know, we, we're we a big, you know, we're, we're a decent-sized agency now, doing great work, able to be in the room, as I said, with decent brands. But, you know, did I think we'd be bigger? Definitely. Now, can we grow in the way that we've grown before? And we were still growing year on year um, uh, for the first four or five, roughly the first four, certainly doubling year on year in terms of headcount and in terms of um, you know, turnover. But that's, you know, we, we've taken a knock this year, as most will. Yet I'm looking at it thinking, hang on, is this an opportunity for us to look at every conversation I have with brand directors, marketing directors, where they talk about performance marketing, where they talk about ROI, where they talk about, actually being able to justify spend well we've been doing that for years with google goals and looking at right that piece in the telegraph sent x number you know net x people in terms of traffic you know y of which converted we can see that so that piece is worth this to you but of course it's an intangible in in many other senses so one thing i started last year uh, so september i started building up the radioactive group and the thing for me was to build something that in those conversations I have with brand directors and pe people effectively with their hands on the, the till um, at, at these companies is, would you prefer to one roof some of your, you know, some, some of your needs? And I don't just want to come to you with your marketing problem with a PR answer. You know, we mm -hmm. can't keep doing that. And I think some agencies do. And, you know, and maybe we've been guilty of doing that too, because you think, well, this is what we know. This is what we've resourced for. This is what we're good at. So if you're coming to us, chances are we can probably sell you. And you, know, you can. But last September, I started Radioactive Talent. And that was with um, a friend of mine called Will. Um, and Will Roberts, he's been in and around affiliate marketing kind of PR. He's been a client, not for, not for me, but um, you know, he's been client side as well. Um, a big uh, batch codes company. Um, so he's been in and around that space where he knows what it's like to buy and then also where the benefits are to us going, let's take this PR approach and see these influencers over here. They think mm -hmm. that they're worth X grander story. 
right? Yeah, you know, if you go through a celebrity manager or any any kind of manager, they'll they'll have you pay five grand a story for insert celebrity B list C list celebrity here. That's not good enough. Their audience isn't worth that. Or if it is, then is there a way for us to to look at this on a um, on a cost per acquisition, um, on a tracked performance um, metric? So I I was actually given a talk uh, about you know the future of PR and all that stuff, um, which is it's easy to you know navel gaze and you know, chat nonsense about the future, isn't it? But I got talking about the you know reach and now JPI and big publishers like that. If they fall over, then that's a big gap in the market. There's a that's a big swathe of titles that digital PR can't touch anymore. And I wouldn't bet against them falling over. Obviously, I don't want them to, but let's look at the past five years. It's not been a good time for the media, and I wish that wasn't true, but it's not been a good time for the media. If, are we just going to be left with the Nationals? Are we just going to be left with the Guardian because they're, you know, there's the trust? Um, so I had to start thinking, well, how do we future-proof, not just us as an agency? And PR is many things. It's not just media relations, of course. It's not just getting out to journalists. It's you know, content creation. It is um, you know, like, you know, clever messaging. It is um, you know, the stuntier side of things, that, as we've seen with the, PS4, the PS5 stuff we talked about. Does that need coverage to, to, to reach people? Possibly not. You know, can you put paid spend behind that? Can you, um, you know, can you be smart about ways to communicate that message? Because at the end of the day, it's all about the audience. How do we get to the audience? It's not always through the sun. It's not always through Business Insider. Um, so I talked myself around into a, a bit of a state of, fuck, what, what happens next? And radioactive talent for me was the thing. Now, it's almost a reverse talent agency in that we work with, you know, a big roster of influencers and we're, add we're adding to it all the time. And those influencers are people that we go to and say, you're in this space, we've got this brand. Like We Buy Any Car, for example, is a client. Um, and we know a load of betting companies and things like that. So we, with We Buy Any Car, we'll work with influencers on a cost per acquisition model. We will work out what that final tracking point is and for them, we've created a valuation tool. You put your registration number in and you get a valuation. Obviously, then we buy will follow you around the internet. Um, but you know, you, you've put that in and we will get paid as radioactive talent. We're not paid a retained agency rate anymore on that side. What happens is we get paid for every valuation. Now, if those valuations lead to a sale to, to them buying a car, then you, know, you, you can work in bonuses, you can work in things like that. And then we pay the influencer based on those valuation costs as well, based on those valuation signups. So gotcha. everything has an endpoint. There's a cost per acquisition or cost per sale or cost per, you know, there's something tangible. So that when, again, I'm sat talking to a, a marketing director and they've got, you know, their MD or their CEO or whatever, who's, who's in their ear all of the time about paid, uh, you know, about comm spend. If we can tighten these two things, if we can make, um, you know, the way that we work genuinely work for them, then brilliant. And everybody buys it. You know, when we're in a room with them, people buy it because if they don't earn, we don't earn. And yeah. that's, you know, that's a strong yeah. proposition. Now, that's not something agency owners, especially in PR, are typically okay or okay with. They, we sell time, we sell expertise. I'm moving away from that notion of selling time now, thinking that, well, what actually we should do is try to sell based on, well, what do you need and want from this? And if it, you know, if it takes us, you know, uh, if it takes us 12 months to run it, it takes us 12 months to run it, our margin is affected accordingly. Um, this is a conversation that clients, it's, it's a strange conversation to have with clients because they're like, well, no, I'm used to paying X gram per month, cheers, and I want to keep doing that. That's what that's the line in the budget. I'm saying, okay, well, 
but let's truly think what do you need broadly and you know we we work quite tightly in terms now of um, you know seo audits and um, things like that to, to, to truly look at what moves the dial for you and then try and you know, try and price accordingly to that difficult in a time where people are much less inclined to spend um to spend bigger but um you know it's it's something we're trying to move towards now on the talent side it works fantastically because of the fact that there is that obvious roi uh we are, it isn't always instagrammers though and i think that's what sometimes when i talk about talent people think it's just us going to insert instagram and it'll get their kids off and they might sell a you know a, a few bloody beauty products it's not that we work with twitch streamers we work with people that run facebook groups we work with people that run what the tipsters that run whatsapp groups and we get them the best deals we earn cpa you know, so based on that cost per acquisition and they earn very very well too and it's a really nice niche that we kind of feel like we've you know we, we found um and we're only building more, more resource into that and then prior to all of this my aim was to build that radioactive group out with a speaking agency with radioactive production so we start on the social content side of things you know with video and you know we produce podcasts for clients anyway so almost it's just like bringing in the best people we can to, to do exactly that um you know to create radioactive social where we focus more on paid social um you know probably lump ppc in with that do i sell ppc now no because we don't have could we do it definitely could i convince a client to spend x percent of their ppc budget with us a month definitely do I think we deserve that right now? No, I wouldn't ask for it because I don't think we do the best job and I don't want to be in the room with you asking for that money if mm -hmm. I don't think we can do the best job for you. So that's what I want is to build those things out. So effectively, um, and this isn't a, a recruitment drive, but what I'm looking for is people to help me get there from a group perspective. You know, I'm looking for that almost MD of a group level. Somebody that's been there, worked on, you know, agencies that have worked with, you know, that, that have built to 50, 100, 150, 200 people because that's what I think we potentially need to get to where I think we can get to. So that's the exciting thing for me is yes, we're in a shit time, but we, you know, we, we have all the people around us right now and all the go forward to, you know, to, to build out. So that's the, that's the exciting thing for me. Well, if that person gets in touch, having listened to the pod, we'll just take 10% of their first year. Calorie, which <laughs> that's, if, that's, yeah. if, if that's okay. So I think it's really yeah. exciting. You're, you're, you're a PR pro who's who's clearly extremely entrepreneurial. You've clearly really want the the industry to grow and develop. You want to celebrate great stuff. Um, you've touched upon how the the, the industry is evolving. How we're taking market share from marketing. You're doing all these digital PR tactics and things like this. Um, having looked back on your what isn't a very long career but long career, is this the most what a trajectory is, is, though? Yeah, is this the most is this the most exciting time? Not COVID bit oh. obviously, but just just yeah. this. You know what a time to be alive because we, so, we we don't need to phone up the sun anymore to get our coverage. We can do all of these incredible things that you've talked about. That is is this yeah. the most exciting time for you? I think most exciting, yes. Um, most you know most prone to you know to things obviously falling apart too. I think the the most interesting time to have um, you know to have worked in PR would probably have been back. You know what I was talking about earlier on that time when. Fewer things had actually been done, and an idea was more likely to be a new idea. And you could, um, you know, the, the press was a powerhouse. And yes, there there were gatekeepers, but you can you can open gates with the right relationships, right? So that was an exciting. I think that would have been an exciting time to have been in PR. Obviously, I wasn't. I think now is a very exciting time because you know the cream rises to the top, and you know the the fact is there are 
there are great people doing good things in the industry and we just need to um i think yeah support each other in that but equally make the best for clients and as i said earlier on not answer marketing problems with pr solutions necessarily mm-hmm. uh, or traditional pr solutions you know i think if you were to go back the first thing i wrote about um roi and pr was probably about 2012 2011 2012 looking at google goals saying guys stop banging the fuck on about AVE. We've got something right here we can actually prove to clients, yet it's still not widespread now. It's still not widely adopted. And almost people want to push back against that. Um, I think I saw Wads doing um, doing a bit of a, a recce looking at the you know, the PR suppliers that still you know, include AVE as a, as a thing within their platform. How and depressing was like, that? How depressing was how that? How depressing. Yeah, it is. And it was. Um, but, you know, again, I'm not going to, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to you know, slag anybody off because there's there's a need for it clearly for some people, mm-hmm. but for me we're we're so far or we should be so far past that, and especially because we you know you've got the paid earned you know social owned kind of model of it, um, and I was thinking also recently we've done some stuff where we've kind of taken over brands, uh, taken over affiliate influencer accounts, and being honest about the fact that we have, I'm thinking borrowed could and should be in there as well so you know borrowed audience from publishers mm. um you know we think about um if you've got the money you can and you you know you want access to that audience and you'll you'll kind of straight up about it you know from an asa perspective from you know from um a um yeah so so you, you're, you're tight on that you know, if you can borrow a streamer's audience and basically if you, you know then the brand introduces themselves through it is that a potential channel to an audience? Definitely. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's maybe something there that is, you, you know, you yes, you're paying for it, but also there's, a, there's, you know, you're communicating via it too, but uh, in, in its direct audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we've got these things. It's about time that we all start taking it seriously, but for the ones that don't, there's a, you know, again, there's enough work out there. I don't think we'll be, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't think as an industry where, you know, we're, we're falling over yet. And I saw Francis Ingham wasn't especially, um kind of you know bullish about the the industry right right at the beginning of the pandemic and you know don't knock him for being that way but i feel a lot more positive about it than that i love the idea of borrowed i think that's great <laughs> i was do what i was doing i was i was writing down hmm so the peso that goes into spobe instead Is that, <laughs> yeah, anyway, we spobe. did that work i don't know uh, yeah. we we're at a time where there are so many different ways to reach an audience and in link building digital PR is, mm. you know, is, is obviously you know, a bit of a um, tactic du jour, but typically they're only borrowing ideas that have been traditional PR kind of tactics and strategies anyway. And then, you know, wrapping it up in PR tip klaxons that effectively say, you know, and, and, and kind of gamifying. And this is the interesting thing. I know I'm always interested in data, but they're, they're, they're gamifying in the sense of, Oh, if you, if you put a journalist name, then they are X percent more likely to open it. It's like, cool we knew that 10 years ago you know you're not you're not reinventing the wheel by saying that and you know oh if you um you know if you if you a b test well and, and you know all these things it's like everything moves us on incrementally but like i do sometimes feel and, and these are the things that you know i, talk, I touched on only wrong comparison being a thief of joy you know that sometimes i open twitter and i'm like all right guys you know that this is not brand new and I begin, and I'm, I'm 33 for fuck's sake. I'm not an old man, but I feel like I'm being, becoming an old man. You know where I'm like, um, you know, I see campaign tactics or um, you know things being discussed. I'm like, that's 
that's been a thing for ages, guys. Yeah, you're, yeah. But maybe it's, as, as we touched on earlier on, you know, the, the 2013 OXO Tower thing for PlayStation 5 and the, you know, and, and this week's um, you know, thing at Oxford Circus, maybe those people just weren't in PR then and maybe I am getting old. Who knows? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Rich, um, you, you've listed a huge name of, number of clients that you've really, um, you know, it, it enjoyed working for. It, is has there been one that got away? Is there is is there one that you're really keen to to work with? Who who do you want to add to your roster and why? What what would excite you? What brands would excite you? Now my list of potential clients I'd love to work with. Um, I mean I've got that list. Every agency owner has. Um, Grenade is up there. Um, you know, I love love their stuff. Um, I probably spend. You know I'm I'm not an especially. Um, you know, I, I don't spend on myself a lot. So you know, I, I, the team laugh. Basically, I, I always get the same All Saints tops because I like the fit. And I've got, I'm like, do, do you remember, do you remember like, like, I think we might be the same ages. Do you remember Dexter's Lab? Like Dexter's Lab on Cartoon yeah, Cartoon, yeah, on, on, on Cartoon Network. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he, like, you know, in the cartoon, he'd open a door and, like, you know, basically it was the same thing every day that he'd wear. Yeah, I yeah. kind of feel like that. So I don't spend much on myself, but I spend more than I should on grenade bars and grenade protein because, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it tastes good and it, it does the job and it fits a, it fits a, um, a need that years ago I'd get into a petrol station and I'd have to buy literally just like packet chicken or you know some um, you know, just packet insert you know meat that definitely is, is almost meat is it still meat we're yeah. not sure if it's, it's meat, meat. It's, I think it's protein but you know like yeah, um, maybe boiled eggs like Andy used to um, used to hate the fact that I'd just eat a tin of tuna at my desk every you know you know a couple of tins of tuna every day at my desk and um, the the office admin or office manager sorry she sat opposite me and she hated me um, so you know grenades <laughs> does, it, it's you know it's fantastic convenient not inexpensive but still great um, you know, protein so I think for for me you know they're up there and they they've got a tank as well now a few years ago I think um, 2011 um, the RBS I think 2010 um, the RBS boss at the time, Stephen Hester, had just taken this fuck off massive bonus and it had upset a lot of people. And we were working with my voucher codes at the time, um, UK's biggest discount site um, at, the, at the time. And the kind of people that were typically, you know, we always said, why pay full price? You know, what's the, why pay full price if you can, you know, if, if you can find a discount voucher uh, or code? So we knew that the typical audience that used my voucher codes were thrifty, were not, they would almost certainly, if there's a Venn diagram of people that piss off about this and people that use my voucher codes, you know, or people that use discount codes, that, you know, there's, there's yeah. a perfect, perfect thing in the middle. So I was thinking, well, what can I do? How, how do we kind of, you know, do something a bit out there? Um, and I can't be sure that I was, and, you know, I talked about an idea not being necessarily a brand new idea, but, you know, you'd seen helicopters over cities, you'd seen, you know, obviously, shit down the Thames and, and all that which you know game <laughs> it's a tactic that does it work again you, you can argue that the recent Borat thing absolutely worked and, and it's it, only it must work because we it. keep we keep seeing it do you know what I mean we do yeah. so yeah so it is what it is but um so I thought well is there a chance that we could get a tank on the road and literally so I had the idea at maybe nine and by three but this was I think it was late and later in the year maybe around this time by three, Mark Pearson, the founder of my voucher codes, was in this tank, giving it the Che Guevara, um, you know, bloody with us with a, a thing on the sign, with a thing on the side that said, "If you didn't get an RB, if you didn't get an RBS bonus, use my voucher codes." And we drove it to RBS, we drove it to Parliament, 
I didn't know you, I genuinely until that day didn't know that tanks could be you could you know, drive uh, a tank road, road <laughs> so we did and it was bloody flanked by um, Sky News BBC the police people going is this okay we're not sure this is okay um, yeah. and you know it, and it, it was really nice and disruptive and um, I you know, had fun had a lot of fun with that now Grenade's got a tank what can I do with that so yeah so yeah. that's a lot that's a long winded way of saying you know they're up there um Again, you, you guys are from a gaming background. Um, John and so I have both worked for an MD with a tank, and I think he was contemplating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an APC, to be honest with you. He said it was a tank, but it was an APC. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, for me, um, you know, there's, thing, I guess, your Teslas of the world, you know, people that are truly changing things. You know, we are very lucky to work with a guy called Richard Browning who founded Gravity. Now, Gravity, you might know better as the real-life Iron Man, um, a guy that's created... Oh, yeah, yeah. So um guy that's created a you know jet suit um and he's been doing some fantastic things recently with um air ambulance or um you know kind of um mountain rescue. We we launched them um and you know it was NDA'd up like you wouldn't believe before we before we even had the conversation. And you know, we, we launched them with a big piece in in wide on the thirty first of March. So every journalist was like Fuck off, Rich. This is an April Fool. And I was like, no, no, this yeah. is the, the no, this one's for real. And, it doesn't say embargoed. Um, yeah, exactly. And um, and you know, I'm I'm genuinely so proud of the work that we did as a fledgling agency at that point. Um, a couple of years in, maybe. Um, you know, really proud of the work that we did on that. And it's people like that, people that you know. And he's got a great story as well. There's again a brilliant wide piece that um, came out a couple of months ago. We don't work together anymore. Um, I guess it's it's that thing of um yeah. I've had I had a boss that said that the second you you sign a client you're losing them. Mm. And we are we're proving ourselves every week, month, year, right? So um it's not a terrible way to think. Well, I think mindset, you know, as soon as you win a client you Oh I know. That's 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 the old uh, mindset of as soon as you're born, you're on the path to dying. It's, it's, a, happy one. it's a happy one, isn't it? It's a really, it's really happy. Yeah, I reckon Chris Hitchens would be all over it. Dark as fuck. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, quite kind of um, kind of makes sense. But um, so you know, you you can do. I think I've had a few clients since I've been doing this that you could be doing the best work, literally the best work, and then you could still be pushed to one side. Yeah. And I think sometimes the industry doesn't talk enough about that. Um, you know, we don't talk about the fact that you know, we celebrate the wins, and and as we should. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not saying that we that we should have some you know um, the you know obituary <laughs> section for you know oh, radioactive's <laughs> lost this one, but it happens, and it's a part of it's a part of running an agency, right? So you know, yeah. there, there is there's inevitable turnover. My aim is just to have clients with us for as long as it can possibly be with us. Um, so I want to work with people like that, people that are genuinely changing things that. You know, we it's a gen, it's a joy to, to to work with. You're not always going to get that, but somebody that is doing something that is is a little bit different, or they're industry leading for a reason. You know, they're they're not afraid to do something like, um, you know, take a risk on like the four day. And, and that, again, will sound conceited, but you know, I think if I was client side, I'd, I'd want to talk to an agency that did something like that because you think, okay. Maybe you can bring, maybe, I don't necessarily want to go four day, but what can you bring to us? Because you will try something and it might fuck up, but that's okay. And in and almost it's in that blurred area, isn't it? In that kind of gray area between safe and too much, that, that that's where you get good work. So, you know, that's, um, you know, the kind of clients that I want to work with are the ones that want to live there a little bit. Um, and, 
yeah i mean I, I, I could list you a load of brands but no i think that's lovely but also, yeah. that that opens you up to smaller gigs as well i think a, a lot of people are a lot of the guests that we speak to are naturally big 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 agencies or big in-house brands and they've got names that you'd recognize and I think actually some of our most talented practitioners are those that are working on those smaller projects, fighting to get coverage, fighting to get, you know, breakthrough, representing yeah. every other business in the UK, you know, that 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 just doesn't have multi-million pound budgets. And I think that's where you can yeah. be really creative and you have to really drive, don't you, to You do. And I think it's being flexible with your um, you know, with, with your fees as well, in the sense of not not saying, hey, if you do have, you know, twenty quid and whatever you've got on your pocket, I'll you know, I'll take uh, it. Yeah. it. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, it's not saying that. It's saying um, we have, for the first time ever, in so in six years, we again we work with a few different VC funds, and um, so we, we we speak to startups a lot. And you know, we again we work with big brands, but equally, I, I enjoy this stuff. We have had so many times that conversation of we have this much money. How about equity or commission? Um, that comes up often. I've just for the first time in, as I say, almost six years said yes. Really? Um, we, will, oh, wow. we, we will we will reduce fee for you. And we've worked out a tiered commission structure um, with this one company. And I'm so excited. I think um, it sounds like it's, it's, I can't talk about it yet, but I'm, it's the first time I've looked at a potential client and thought, um, right, you've come to us for the right reasons. We can do the job that you need us to do. And we understand, you know, the affiliate world very, you know, like, you know, from a commission perspective, you know, we understand this world very, very well. We know what this is potentially worth. And mm. is it worth me taking a hit on margin from a time perspective to, you know, to help get you there? You're doing something I don't think many people would even know was a thing. Like, it literally is a, you know, in talking to them. Stop talking, said, Rich. You're going to say what it is. We, Stop. No, I'm not. <laughs> they, they, they literally said, they literally said. We don't go on a podcast and, say, and talk about it. <laughs> They say, you know, we we get told all the time that this is too good to be true, and that's a genuine thing we butt up against from a sales perspective, and that excites me, that that kind of thing. So, um, can you yeah, come back on next we're, year and we're, we're open. about it? Oh yeah. goddammit, it, Adam! I was just about to say, yeah, do us a favour and come back on series yeah, three no, no, no. and tell us how it went. Yeah, no, no worries. Um, I mean, or if it goes terribly, and everything I've just said was a load of nonsense. We never yeah. talk of it ever again. No, no ah, but do you know what? Do you know what? I bet even if, if things don't work out as planned, there'd be learnings to yeah, share. Yeah. That's, that's the thing, isn't it? And, and that's, I think, you know, it, it kind of neatly ties this up a little bit in the sense of, I think, taking a risk or two is, like, especially at this point in time, is, is more important than ever. But I also understand why people don't want to. I also understand why brands are, you know, um, pulling their budget close to their chest. I've got a survey out right now, um, looking asking in-house marketers to tell us what's happening with their, you know, with their budget and with their spend. And they've got some really, I think, you know, we're on dozens and dozens of people that have answered now. Some big brands, you know, brands that, you know, both some some that we've talked about in this, some that, um, you know, some of the biggest companies in the world, some you know, like in-house marketers have answered from. And, you know, the. The, the fascinating things coming out of it to me aren't just that people are incre increasing or reducing spend in XYZ area. It's um, it's how they feel about the future of their company, how they feel right now. And you know, we're almost going to use that to inform both content as an agency, but also you know, how do you sell your services in the time when the kinds of things that you're looking at aren't or you, that you've typically made money on might not always be the way that you make money. So that's mm. you know, this is an interesting 
point in time for me um, and us as an agency. And as I say, I'm fortunate to have a great team kind of you know, supporting me in that. Um, any young people that listen to your podcast, the one thing I would say is don't ever stop reading, listening to and engaging with people that give you so much for nothing. I think the number one thing that when I employ and, you know, you look at somebody that's this junior um, or, you know, just entering the industry. And I'd like to think that I did this too. I mean, because I created a second life presence for us that was laughed at. And but so fucking what? I tried something and, you know, and it was, it was a laugh. Um, and I oh, Rich, do you know what? Do Both of us um, get that reference. Yes. Very <laughs> few other people, potentially the, the people that I'm hoping to talk to now um, in the sense of, like just look around the industry. There are some incredible people given, you know, so much that you, you know, you can take and do with it what you will. Just, you know, dispense with some, pick some up. Um, there, are, you know, I think that's the amazing thing with the PR industry is it's quite a giving industry, you know. And and yes, for promotional reasons sometimes, but as long as your heart's in the right place, and you know, and and there is a balance to be struck between being overtly, you know oh, this is how I did this campaign. Aren't we fucking great? To, you know, actually, no, here are the genuine learnings. And, you know, here's you know, here's something you can take from this too, instead of, um, you know, trying to you know, trying to build you know, a hero of yourself. The thing is, there's so many people out there that are supportive and giving so, so much that if you're coming into the industry and you want to impress, then just look at that. You know, um, I get asked so often, you know, what would you say to people coming to the industry? And it is just that there's so many people out there like yourselves doing incredible things, collating um, you know, content and giving so much insight into their experience that you'd be an idiot not to pick it up. And you can tell the people that are going to do well in the industry based on the fact that they do. And that's the main thing for me is just look around you. There's so many people. And even recently, Obviously, there have been, been a lot of agency start, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of new agencies recently, and I'm always open to chatting to anybody that's starting anything. You know, I'll always give my time to somebody because I think, you know, I would have appreciated that at the other end as well. Just, and I'm not going to tell you that I know how I'm do how, how to do it properly, how to do it well because I make it up every day as I go along. But mm -hmm. if I've got anything to to add, then I'd I'd always you know want to want to support that. Um, so yeah, I mean, you've had some great people on recently that started agencies in the last six to 12 months, haven't you? So I think, um, I don't want to name names because one of them will go, oh, you can't, you can't. can we, can we drop a C? Yes. We, we, we haven't had one yet. Yeah. First C. We, <laughs> oh, yeah. you first C bomb. Oi. Congratulations. Um, oi, you know, you forgot me. Um, I say that my kids better be. I really love it when we speak to some of those unknown people, like when we speak to people that you haven't necessarily heard of, but he might be young and dynamic. We talk about it quite a lot, but when we did the 20, the, the 30 under 30, 30 PR week yeah. people, it was frightening. And it wasn't just frightening because they were like super advanced and really young and really with it. It was just like, we're going to change this industry you know, it's not okay that yeah, there's no I diversity. That it's not okay yeah, that they're doing yeah. all these things. And I'm like, isn't this awesome? Isn't this awesome that they're not so not not that they're um they're like um quiet and and, and not outspoken about it, but they're like, just has to change. We're just going to change it. Good. Um, and genuinely, I hope I hope you know, in in the ways that it needs to be changed. I hope they do. And you know, I talked a lot about that kind of thing in um in my book. Um, you know, one, one we haven't even mentioned was, your book. We haven't. No, mentioned no, we haven't. Tell us about I've the genuinely book. got it downstairs. Uh, <laughs> have you really? I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. I mean, I, I, it, uh, is on the, it is on the Kindle Rich, list. I, oh, I didn't sweet. pay for it. Work paid for it. 
but um, you could. You know. no, absolutely. I think, I think, I think it's worth a read to the point that I would have paid for it. No, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, but no, it's just say it. <laughs> like, you know, I talked about, you know, diversity and, and, and that kind of thing and that now, obviously I, I, I'm a you know straight white man now in my thirties. So, you know, what basically I, I, I appreciate that I have a place, you know, within, within this conversation, but you know, it's probably a, um, you know, more of a supportive place than, than anything else. Um, you know, and so for me, I can only speak to, to my experience. And one of the things that I touched on was at that point in time, when I wrote myths of PR, there were, more people that were privately educated working in PR than there were people that were privately educated working as MPs. So that there, again, council house kid, bit of a shit background, coming into an industry. Now, they're, they're, you know, it's, again, that's not, um, that's not a path that's not been trodden before, but, you know, I think I, you know, I recognise that intellectual diversity and, and social mobility is, you know, is important in and around PR too. Um, Sarah Hall's done some great work, you know, um, and, in, and even just asking questions around this. But it was something that, you know, I, I really wanted to look at in the industry, taking the PRCA's stats, um, their census, and and you know, basically you know, tackling this myth that, uh, you know, PR has to be that way. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, I appreciate you saying it's, it's well worth a read. You know, obviously I would agree, even if I can't even remember what I wrote now. Um, yeah, it's, uh, that, that was a lot of early mornings. and. Um, you know, a lot of getting up at five before the kids could shout and scream and um, you know, writing for an hour or two and being depressed when I'd only written 200 words and then having the publisher say, so Rich, we've got a thing called a contract. Um, you, you know, you, you said you'd write, you haven't written. I was like, fuck, I will, I promise. Uh, but no, it was, it was good fun. Did really, really well. And in, in the, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I really enjoyed you know, that. And I also enjoyed how much it wound people up when I was like, so I've got a book. Um, in, in the sense of they're like fuck off Rich we know you've got a book and I was like alright this is a <laughs> finite period of time in my life in which I could actually talk about this um, but you know I've, I've always said I'd probably write another one but not yet um, you know I think there's you know that was almost a 10 year you know condensed version of what I knew there and then um, and it probably hasn't changed that much you know certain aspects will uh, but you know it was it was um, it was enjoyable for the time that I did it and now it's been translated into so many different languages that you know I'm yeah I'm, I'm amazed sometimes I get people contact me from Vietnam people from Poland that you know like hey we just read this which where are you I'm big like, I'm big in Vietnam and Poland I'm big in Vietnam man come on <laughs> um, yeah I um you know I, I, it, it blows my mind all the time I, I genuinely feel grateful for, for you know for that um but equally it comes from a place I would hope of hard work of me going right, I've got an opportunity here and I'm going to squeeze it. And people will think, oh, shut up. All right, we know that you've done that. But again, you get one shot at it. And if I fail, then that's my shot gone. So um, yeah, I'd sooner, sooner be noisy about it. And, and it did really well. And, you know, I think it continues to, although they wouldn't let me voice it. And I was like, Would they, not? Oh, you, they, they wouldn't let me voice it. They wouldn't let me do the audible, no. Um, and I was like, I think it's just because, you know, an expert will get it done. 10 times quicker than you will. <laughs> it would be really but, expensive right. for you to do it. <laughs> Probably they're like, yeah, we're not paying for that studio time. Um, but, you know, I, um, you know, I, I'd like, I would like the chance, but, you know, maybe, maybe the odd hard R comes in every now and then the West country accent that probably comes up every now and then a tiny bit too much. Of course. Sh- short yeah. time. But this, this idea about sort of, I don't want to say personal brand. Cause again, that sounds really wanky, doesn't it? But, but this, um, idea, you this... know what it was a conscious decision to be, 
a bit like I was, you know, like a bit like loud and you know, and I'm going to only concentrate on PR. I'm not going to talk about anything that isn't PR or advertising or marketing related because if I follow, I'm a nobody. If I'm if somebody's following me, and I talk about everything, then well, they can they can get that from anybody. So you know, the, the key thing for me was it wasn't about personal brand. I hadn't even considered that at that point, but it was about I'm going to you know build myself a niche here and you know be a commentator on and hopefully build myself up to be an expert on an area and focus solely on that. So you'll rarely see me talk about anything that isn't in this field because who gives a shit you know i'm just somebody else you know you don't care what i think politically you just don't it is a double-edged sword in the sense of people and that's one of the reasons why i changed it from richly and company to radioactive pr was to build a brand away from me yeah um, because of, because i focused heavily on you know, making sure that i was somebody that was seen as a commentator and you know hopefully building to be an expert on you know the, the sector but the thing was or the thing is that you know it's it's still massively important to me and you know we win we win clients because of it you know we win clients now because radioactive is you know a bit more a bit busier um one of my most senior team members ang harrod she's fantastic you know she's um you know, she's quite active um she's at welsh underscore pr on twitter um and she's um i've said her name out loud now so hopefully people will not butcher it quite as badly as they do. Um, John, you're from yeah. Wales. Yeah, Ang Harrod, you heard it. Ang so Harrod, you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, you, it's funny, I love taking a call where somebody asks for her, where, where they're like, so is Harrod there? And I'm like, go, go, go on, what was that? Um, but the, um, you know, the, it is important to me that as a team we build out because, um, you know, one, it feels like a lot to have on your shoulders. Um, you know, to, to be the only person that's a bit, you know, vocal. Um, and two, it can be a laugh. It can. It's just right now, it doesn't always feel like it can be. Um, and yeah, I, it is important and it, you know, always has been a consideration. But again, I don't just, I don't, I think my, if you were to call it a brand, is just a bit silly. Um, you know, the, the main thing for me is, you know, I, I talk about something that matters, but more often than not, it's just me being a dickhead and having a laugh with stuff. And even PR on a car, you know, I did that. And the whole point of PR on a car was literally just to learn how to podcast and how to you know, edit and, and all those things. But, you know, with no expectation of it doing amazing things, it's just, you know, if you get some you know, some guy, um, you know, just chatting nonsense into a, you know, into a phone for, for 20 minutes, half an hour, um, you know, maybe there's maybe there's space for that. And also, I've been thinking recently, you know, you can do voice memos on Twitter. Mm. I've not seen that used mm. in any real way um, in the sense of what if somebody was to ask me questions? Maybe this is the time to say, if you've got questions about PR, or, you know, you're, you're new to it, you're, um, or you know, you've got, or, you know, or you, you, know you, you want anything, I'd probably answer with a voice note. I'd be happy to. Do you know what I mean? It's like that's not been used in any or utilized in any way, both for clients no. or agencies. So, um, yeah, I just I'll just fuck around and break things and and you know see see what works and if it doesn't work then it doesn't work. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's a, that's an extended disco version of um, yes, it's important to be on Twitter and it helps us and I quite like it most of the time. That is fair. Uh, well, if if people do want to follow you on on Twitter, I'd be very surprised if there was a listener uh, to the pod who doesn't already follow you. To be honest with you, but where can they follow you on Twitter? At Rich Lee PR, and that's L E I G H, uh, which I was told the other day sounded like a porn star name. So I'll take that. 
Congratulations. And you'll know he's the right one because he's got the blue tick. Our fourth guest of the season to have a blue tick next to their name. I mean... Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode uh, with Rich Lee. And we hope you've enjoyed season two. John and I have had a blast recording this, haven't we, John? Yeah, absolutely spot on uh, there, Ads. We've been... um blessed really to have such amazing guests uh this season um from amanda coleman in episode one um straight through uh to rich lee who capped off uh, a wonderful season there um but that is not the last you'll hear from the pr hub podcast for 2020 we'll of course be back in series three with series three in 2021 but before that ads we do have the small matter of the round table coming up Yep. So when we started season two, we had this grand dream that we would invite back a selection of guests from season two to meet in person, maybe in some swanky London agency or or some high class venue where we would debate all things PR and get together some of the finest minds that have been on our podcast to 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 debate and to agree or to disagree with one another um, in an exciting session. But thanks to COVID, uh, that's not going to be quite as possible as we had first imagined. But we are going to pursue the idea of this roundtable. So we've found the technology. We've definitely got the people. So we really hope you'll join us for a season finale, a festive treat, if you will, of PR legends at the first PR Hub roundtable. Absolutely brilliant. Until then, um, you can follow us at PR Hub. You can follow Rich Lee at Rich Lee PR. You can follow Adam at Adam Tuckwell and myself at John Wilcox underscore all on Twitter or drops a line at LinkedIn as well. We do uh, we do have a LinkedIn page as well for the PR Hub podcast. So until then, uh, catch you at the roundtable and we'll see you in 2021 as well. Bye. <laughs>